Welcome to my podcast, Everyday Sublime, shedding light on yin yoga and meditation. I'm your host, Josh Summers. I'm a yin yoga and meditation teacher and trainer, as well as a licensed acupuncturist. This podcast is intended to be an in-depth exploration of the intersections between yin yoga, Chinese medicine, and meditation. In each episode, I'll offer a 10 to 15 minute reflection on one or several of these themes. And my hope is that these reflections will serve your practice as well as your teaching of yin yoga and meditation. Okay, so in this episode, I'll continue my introductory series on Chinese medical theory. Here, I'll be looking specifically at vital substances, which are the precious energies and substances in Chinese medicine. Our health depends on our organs' ability to produce, store, and circulate these vital substances. And in this episode, I'll be taking a closer look at one of the vital substances known as qi. So we'll be looking at qi more closely itself. Okay, so let's get started. of the very important concepts required to help you better understand the theory of Chinese medicine is the theory around what the Chinese call vital substances. These are the essential forms of qi that manifest in your body. Chinese medicine sees the working of the body and mind as the result of the interaction of certain vital substances. These substances might be thought of as differentiated aspects of a spectrum of energetic manifestation in the body. So on one end of the spectrum, you'll have energy that is very material, very dense, very distilled and refined. And on the other end of the spectrum, you'll have forms of energy that are more immaterial or rarefied. One of the reasons that it's important to have a good overview of these different textures of qi is because these vital substances are the currency by which the health of the human system is evaluated and balanced. As you will learn from my discussion on the organs in Chinese medicine, the primary function of the yin organs is to produce, transform, store, and circulate these vital substances. If you allow me to crudely borrow a metaphor of an orchestra, The vital substances would represent the various sounds, moods, and melodies generated and controlled by the musicians, or the various orchestral instruments, i.e. the organs of Chinese medicine. So before diving in and looking more closely at the relationship that the organs have with specific vital substances, it's a really good idea to have a solid framework of understanding for what the substances are themselves. Now in Chinese medicine, these vital substances are four. There's qi, there's blood, there's essence, and there's fluids. In this lesson, I'm gonna highlight qi a little bit more. Even though we looked at that before in a previous lesson on what is qi, this lesson is gonna dive in more specifically at different forms of qi and different functions of qi. And then in subsequent lessons, we'll look at blood, essence, and fluids. Okay. So let's talk about qi in terms of sources of qi, the functions of qi, and some of the disharmonies of qi. In a previous lesson, I gave an introductory discussion of the Chinese concept of qi, and I explained how it's a concept that resists translation. 
But here, as we look closer at the dynamics of functional health within the human body, we'll see that qi has both a manifestation of universality, or a pervasive ubiquity, and of particularity, that is, specific types and functionality of qi. The primary source of qi in the body, it's important to realize, is derived from the process of digestion. And this is governed by the organs of the spleen and stomach. Here, pure qi is extracted from the dense bundles of qi taken in through digestion of food and fluids. But the proper functioning of the spleen and stomach for digestion is in turn itself dependent on kidney qi, which serves as the foundation for all metabolic transformation in the body. Finally, once the pure qi is extracted from food and fluid by the spleen, it is then sent up to the lungs where this qi of food combines with the qi coming in through the air drawn in by the lungs, whereby there's a transformation that occurs turning this combined food and air qi into what's called true qi. And it's this true qi that then circulates through the body, performing uh, various functions, which we'll look at in the moment. But let me pause here for a second. I may have lost you. If so, you're not alone. The actual process of how vital substances are produced is no simple act. Often, one organ will play a principal role, but many other organs play a strong supporting role. And in subsequent lessons, after looking at the various functional dynamics of each unique Chinese organ system, for example, we look at organs individually as the kidneys or the liver or the spleen, I'll come back to this topic of qi production and show how it's really the result of multiple organ systems coming to bear on the proper formation, transportation, and transformation of qi. But for now, simply know that many organs are involved in the synthesis of qi, but the primary player that we want to be concerned with is the spleen and stomach, driven by their essential role in digesting food and fluids. So just to summarize, our qi is derived from food and fluid, pure energy from food and fluid combining in the lungs with air qi coming in, and it's supplemented and in fact stoked by kidney qi, the root of our, our foundational root qi, and this amalgamation of qis becomes the true qi that then circulates through the body. Now we want to look at what are the functions of qi. This might fall into the category of why do we care? As with everything in Chinese medicine, all entities, whether they are a type of energy in the body or a specific organ or a specific meridian, all entities tend to be defined by the functions they perform. And the concept of qi is no different. Its classification as a type of energy is really defined by what functions it performs. And for qi, there are five primary functions which I'll describe here. The first function is one that's often written as transforming. The function of transforming of qi refers to the process whereby adequate quantities of qi make it possible for more qi to be produced. And I know that can sound like some kind of circular tautology. We need enough qi to have more qi. But this is how the Chinese medical system sees it. And in this function, the role of the spleen's qi to extract pure qi from food and fluid is what is primarily being described. It's a kind of digestive qi. There are other examples of organ qi that transform forms of energy into other forms of energy, such as the heart qi transforming food qi into blood, which then circulates to the vessels. 
But in terms of the primary functions of energy or chi, we're looking at how it helps transform things in a raw state into a more refined, usable state of the body, i.e. digestion. A second main function of qi is that it helps transport things. The transporting function of qi refers to how qi facilitates circulation of energy and blood and fluids throughout the body. If the true qi of the body is deficient or stagnant, the circulating function will be impaired, and this leads to a variety of all sorts of internal imbalances. And as mentioned previously, all organ qi has a special role in directing the circulation of qi in a particular way but particularly the liver chi is the principal player in ensuring that the body's true chi circulates in all directions or circulates in the directions that it's meant to be going evenly and smoothly. So when there's a problem with the energy circulating and transporting things throughout the body, we tend, as acupuncturists, we tend to look at the liver and see if the liver's function of ensuring a smooth free flow of chi through the body is somehow impaired. So we have qi with the function of aiding digestion and producing more qi. We have qi with the function of helping transport and circulate vital substances through the body. And the third function of qi is that it helps hold things in place or has a holding function. The holding function of qi refers to the role of holding things in their proper places. Qi, in other words, keeps things together. And this function applies primarily to the function of the spleen's chi in keeping the blood and organs in their proper places. With regards to blood, the spleen's chi is said to wrap around the vessels. It keeps blood contained within the vessels. And if this function is impaired due to spleen chi weakness, then there can be many forms of bleeding disorders, such as external bleeding with nose bleeding, gum, gum bleeding, rectal bleeding, excessive menstrual bleeding, or there might be internal bleeding, whereby bruises don't heal properly, or hemorrhaging. With the function of holding the organs in the proper places, this refers to preventing organ prolapse, or preventing organs from falling from where they're meant to be. In addition to holding things in place, qi has a fourth function of raising things, or keeping things moving up. This is sort of a subset of the function of holding things in place, but with the raising function, this function is quite similar to the last, whereby spleen chi raises organs and supports them in remaining in their proper place. But this function also includes certain organ chi's, namely that of the kidneys, in the assistance of moving chi and fluids upward to other organs for circulation. Very relevant to our health, chi uh, has a protective function. So this would be the fifth function of chi. The function of protective qi refers to qi's ability to defend our body against the invasion of evil pathogenic factors. The Chinese have a view that there's evil qi in the environment around us, whether it's cold evil qi or damp evil qi or excess heat evil qi, hot evil qi. And if our body's defensive qi is weak, then these evil qi's can penetrate in through the pores of our skin or through the portals of the back of the neck, and then this can lead to imbalances or cause us to catch cold or get ill. So this role is primarily under the jurisdiction of the lungs, which spread defensive chi in the space between the skin and muscles, buttressing the body against the invasion of evil chi or evil juju. Lastly, chi has a warming function. 
This is specifically the role of the spleen and kidney yang qi. This yang fiery aspect of the qi keeps the body functioning at an appropriate temperature, but also plays an important role in regulating fluids and digestion, both of which require adequate heat or yang qi for proper functioning. So in the cases where people become excessively cold or eat a lot of food that's cold, they can really weaken their internal yang qi or fire, which then impairs their body's ability to digest foods properly or to stay warm. And as I've covered in the lesson on what is qi, there are two broad disharmonies of qi, namely qi deficiency and qi stagnation. I won't repeat that material here, but encourage you, if you haven't listened to that lesson, to go back and check out that lesson at some point, because there I discuss how each of those patterns manifest with different kinds of symptoms, and also how yin and yang yoga practices aid in correcting those disharmonies. Okay, I'll stop there for now, and in the next episode of Everyday Sublime, I'll continue with this introductory series on Chinese medical theory. And in the next discussion, we'll look at the vital substance of blood. Blood is a denser, more material form of qi, and it has an important nourishing and moistening function. Additionally, blood is the material basis for the mind. So I look forward to sharing that with you with insights from my practice to yours. If you'd like to follow along with the Everyday Sublime, please subscribe in iTunes. There's a link for you in the show notes. Or you can subscribe directly on my site at joshsummers.net forward slash subscribe. And if you're interested in studying with me or training with me in yin yoga, check out yinyogaschool.com. Thanks so much for listening today, and I'll see you in the next episode.